you to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to begin with verse 1. That's on page 982 of your pew Bibles, if you have the smaller ones. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. And we'll just be reading the first three verses. Hear God's word. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Amen to this reading of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you uh, that your word is truth, unchanging truth, Father. We pray, Father, uh, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to understand, hearts to be moved, you know, by the truth of the gospel, not, not just at salvation, Lord, but each day on this Lord's Day, Father. We pray that you would be growing us in our grace and knowledge and love for Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen. As you go through history books, uh, you might be surprised and saddened by the sheer number of wars that have been fought down through the ages. That would be a a long, long list, but to give you a a sampling, the, the French Revolution In the 18th century, the Mexican-American War. In the 19th century, the Revolutionary War here in the U.S. Civil War, again here in the United States. World War I, which was meant to be, said to be the war to end all wars. But then on its heels came World War II. Korean conflict, the Vietnam War, the war in Iraq, just to list a few. One more, a serious student of history, that's not me, but did a little study. Uh, You might remember the Hundred Years' War, uh, which was fought from 1337 to 1453. Actually, if you do the math, 116 years of war. It was an intermittent armed conflict between England and France, over territorial rights and the issue of succession to the French throne. It began when Edward III invaded Flanders in 1337 in order to assert his claim to the French throne. This morning, though, rather than uh, considering the causes or the list of all wars, 
you know, ponder for a moment the cost of wars, not only the financial cost, but more importantly, the massive deaths, the suffering, debilitating injuries, uh, the sorrow. You know, keep, keep that in mind here. I invite you to turn to Philippians 3, or Philippians 4, here, page 982. We learn about a notable conflict. Uh, not not quite a war, but but a serious conflict between two believers in, in the church at Philippi, Yodia and Syntyche. You know, Scripture does not tell us what the spiritual what sparked the spiritual conflict. You know, but God's word here, you know teaches us about God's plan for, for gospel reconciliation. You know, it, it was a plan for the church then and there in Philippi. It's still, you know, God's gospel plan for, for reconciliation in, in churches today. You know, for God's word guides the church as they labor together for gospel reconciliation. How can we labor to bring gospel reconciliation and holy harmony. You know, three verses, three truths here. There, it begins with an affirmation, and then an admonition, and then uh, an assurance here in the close. You know, consider first a, a gospel affirmation there in uh, Philippians 4, verse 1. The, the key phrase that we're, we're going to get to quickly is that phrase, that command, stand firm, thus in the Lord. You know, but Philippians 4, verse 1 begins with the word, therefore. You know what preachers say. Whenever you come across the word therefore, you ask what it is, what is it there for? It's a transitional word. You know, it, it refers back to the verses, the truth of the gospel that has already been presented, and it's preparing us for uh, what is to come. It's a connector word here, and if you look back to Philippians 3, 20 and 21 uh, that we studied last Lord's Day and hear them again, Philippians 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And now the Apostle Paul is preparing for application of those glorious gospel truths. You know, Paul here is graciously addressing every follower of Christ and every worshiper of Christ's church at Philippi. And note how he starts. Therefore, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, whom I love. You know, these are beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, whom I love and I long for. Remember, the Apostle Paul is in prison. You know, been a while since he has seen them face to face. 
shake a few hands, maybe giving them a hug. He, he longs to be with them. That's how Philippians started, Philippians 1 verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for you, how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, even though Paul is in prison in Rome, he, he still longs to be with these beloved brothers and sisters. And then he calls them, still Philippians 4 verse 1, my joy and my crown. You know, there, there's a shared joy of salvation. That's a key truth here as we go through Philippians, that joy, rejoicing in the Lord. And it's because of our joy in Christ, the joy of salvation. You know, but we read about it even in the Old Testament. Hear this, Habakkuk 3.18. Habakkuk 3.18, almost there at the end of the Old Testament. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of salvation. And verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. You know, my joy and my crown. You know, this that phrase joy and the crown, you know, Paul here is looking ahead to the return of Christ. I've given you a fair amount of scripture this morning, but hear this, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19. For what is our joy, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You know, Paul calls them his joy and crown. He is anxiously, faithfully anticipating uh, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when he will be reunited with these brothers and sisters and there is joy and crown because he has faithfully proclaimed the gospel to them, seeing them come to saving faith in Christ. You know, and, and crown here is not a, a gold crown. You know, it's said the crown referred to here, quote, was usually made of dried celery leaves worn by the victor in an athletic contest. It, it's more of a symbol. You know, my joy and my crown, but then the command here, this gospel affirmation, stand firm. Thus in the Lord. Stand firm. Thus in the Lord. You know, there's two commands in these three verses. The next one will be in verse 3. You know, help these women. But but this command to, to stand firm. Keep on standing firm in Christ. Don't don't waver. Don't give up. Don't despair. You all keep on standing firm in the Lord. Persevere in your walk of faith in Christ. And notice the next phrase there, stand firm thus in the Lord. Now that's how we can stand firm when we are in Christ and Christ is in us. 
On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You know, stand firm in the Lord, not in your own strength, but in his power. Peter O'Brien put it this way. Once again, the apostle expresses his great joy and warm affection for his Philippian friends as he commends them and encourages them to be steadfast in their Christian life. Now, that's a command for us today as a church, as Christians. Keep standing firm in Christ. And then he closes it with this phrase, my beloved, my brothers and sisters whom I love, my beloved brothers and sisters. You know, there's a shared love for Christ. First John four nineteen puts it this way. We love because he first loved us. You know, the, the Apostle Paul can love these brothers and sisters because the love of Christ has filled his heart. That's same way for, for us as Christians today, for us as churches today. You know, we can love one another because Christ has first loved us. You know, think back to the Bible accounts of those who firmly stood together for Christ. You know, pondered it a little bit, preparing for this message. He stood individually, but David stood firmly in faith before Goliath. You know, all the other Israelites, all the other soldiers fled. You know, but David stood firmly in the Lord. Exodus 14, verse 13, I know our women are studying this. God's people stood firmly together before they crossed the parted waters. I'll give you one more biblical example. King Jehoshaphat's prayer. As Israel faced the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Muonites, there was a, a prophecy from a priest, and I'll just read one verse, Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. This is uh, the, the Levites' command to God's people as they face the enemy. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. And the Lord was with them. The Lord defeated their enemies, and their command, their task was to stand firm, thus in the Lord. You know, one commentary I read noted that Christians cannot stand fast from a position of division and disharmony. It's Alec Motier. To stand fast in the Lord means that we stand fast in the strength of Christ. We stand fast by his grace and for his glory. We stand together into the Lord. We stand fast together in the love of Christ. So that, that gospel, first that gospel affirmation here, you know, guiding uh, the church at Philippi, guiding our church today, 
Stand firm, thus in the Lord. The gospel affirmation, but now a gospel admonition. Verse 2, to agree in the Lord. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. You know, there, there's little evidence, really, for conflict in the church at Philippi. We've talked about the Judaizers, you know, those who, who insisted on circumcision for Gentile Christians as an outward sign of their salvation. You know, but, but here we have two women. But, you know, I should take a close look at, at Scripture. There, there's two godly women Two gospel workers, two women who loved the Lord, loved his church. You know, but, but still there is disagreement and discord that was spiritually damaging Christ's church. There's an immediate need for repentance, for reconciliation. You know, lesson for us today. You know, don't let church conflict go untreated, you know, to ignore it, to dismiss it. Oh, time heals all wounds. That's not in the Bible. You know, so take a close look there. You know, first the Apostle Paul writes this, I entreat or I beseech Iodia. And then again, and I entreat Syntyche, Iodia, Her name translated would be prosperous journey. Syntyche means pleasant acquaintance. And and here the apostle entreats them, beseeches them, pleads with them, urges them. He's not commanding them. He he is gently and graciously uh, instructing them as a brother in Christ. He addresses them individually, showing his compassion for each of them, and it strengthens his gospel appeal. You know, again, why two separate entreaties? You know, here the Apostle Paul displays his gospel wisdom and his desire to bring the peace of Christ. He's not looking to point fingers. Well, Yodia, if you confessed your sin, then you and Syntyche could be restored you know, they're, 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 they're both part of the problem and they're both part of, of God's gracious solution here. And, and the question is, what caused their conflict? Pride, self-centeredness, maybe wounded by a harsh and hurtful word? Was it theological? You know, the bottom line, biblical line is this, we don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us what was causing this conflict. But their personal conflict negatively impacted the church and their gospel witness in the city. Yet even John Calvin called these women, quote, fellow soldiers of the gospel. I entreat Yodia, I entreat Syntyche, to agree in the Lord, not a command again. You know, Paul is 
beseeching them, pleading with them, you know, to agree in the Lord. Other translations, to be of one accord, to be of the same mind, King James, like the New American Standard, live in harmony with the Lord. You know, for those of you who like music, when, when you hear instruments or voices that are, that are out of tune or clashing, you know, it makes you squinch, you know, and ooh, grimace. You know, and it, there is this church strife there. You know, but, but it's not unique to Philippi. I think Dirk mentioned this. You know, we see conflict around us in churches today. We, we see conflict, read about conflict in churches throughout Scripture. You know, a couple examples, Paul and Barnabas. You know, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, uh, they, they parted ways in their gospel ministry. In Acts 15, just after the Jerusalem Council, when everyone was together, you know, they, they, they had a difference of, of ministry opinion. They were later reunited, as you read through the Bible. Uh, Diotrephes, there in 3 John 9 and 10. Diotrephes, who loves to be first, you know, caused great conflict in, in that church. You know, I love what William Hendrickson writes about this, about agreeing in the Lord. Here, the Apostle Paul stresses the ideal of a militant unity in a world of unbelief and hostility. A militant unity in a world of unbelief and hostility. He wrote that back in 1962. How much more do we need that today? A militant unity. We we live in in a fractured world all around us at every level. You know, and here God's word calls us as his church, you know, to to live together in in holy unity, holy harmony, God-honoring accord. You know, at the end of every Presbytery meeting and synod meeting of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, you've been part of it longer than I have uh, for 12 years. I've been a part of it for 12 years. But uh, at the end of every synod or every Presbytery synod meeting, uh, we always stand and sing Psalm 133 together. Uh, We sing it as a reminder of our psalm singing and Scottish heritage, you know, but it's a reminder of our unity in Christ. And the version we sing, I'll read the words, I won't sing it, are a little bit different. Behold how good a thing it is and how becoming well, together such as brethren are in unity to dwell. Verse 2, like precious ointment on the head that down to the beard did flow, even Aaron's beard and to the skirts did of his garments go. Third verse, as Hermans do the dew that doth on Zion hills descend, 
For there the blessing God commands, life that shall never end, life that shall never end. You know, how, do, how does God's word guide us as we seek to humbly live in holy harmony in Christ's churches? Again, no flawless churches. Even in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, seven churches. And they all had their sinful shortcomings. You know, how can Christians today still agree in the Lord? You know, it, it, I believe it starts by remembering God's saving love for us in Christ. We are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. Secondly, we submit to Scripture. You know, and that, that's all of us, preacher, elders included. Third, we, we prize the gospel. You know, what, what's the ministry of the church all about? Well, worshiping the Lord, you know, but, but prizing the gospel. You know, we, we can agree in the Lord as we pray together. Our ladies pray together Friday mornings. A group of us who gather on Wednesday nights, 6.45 p.m., not trying to give guilt, you know, to, to pray. You know, it's hard to ever disagree with, with a brother, sister in Christ that, that you're praying with. You know, it's a, been a pastoral privilege to serve here, you know, 12 years, almost 12 years of sweet ministry, you know, largely peaceful Thankful for that. I've pastored in other churches, but you know, it, it's not ever something to be taken for granted. You know, to, to know God's peace, His holy harmony. You, you, we cannot coast. You know, we we have to be actively working together, reading Scripture together, worshiping together, working together for the Lord. We need to resist the temptation to argue or grumble. You know, there I'm preaching to myself. You know, we, we center on the gospel. You know, here, here's just one verse that gives light into the gospel. Colossians 1, verse 20, right after Philippians. Colossians 1, verse 20. Let me begin with verse 19. For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You know, that, that's the price of peace. You know, Christ's blood that was shed for our sins on the cross. So a gospel affirmation you know, we are to stand firm, a gospel admonition, to agree in the Lord finally, a gospel assurance. Aid these women's whose names are in the book of life. There, verse 3. Yes, you know, Paul gives a plea with them. Yes, I ask, or the word there literally again is entreat. I beseech you. True companion. 
We're not told who the, the true companion is. Another way of translating that is faithful yoke fellow. We're, we're in the harness together. We're pulling together uh, for the work of the Lord. But sometimes that's the way reconciliation takes place. You have even people in church fussing and feuding or pastors fussing and feuding. You, you know, God graciously raises up that third person you know, to listen, to love, point them to Christ and the gospel. I tr- yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. You know, there's the command, the second command, aid these women. You know, don't just stand idly by. You know, don't, don't just be a, st- a spectator in, in all of this. Help these women. Aid these women. There's a a taste of it. Luke chapter 5, verse 7. Luke chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus calling the first disciples. He tells them to lower their nets again. They haven't caught anything. And we read this. Well, they catch a large number of fish. And then Luke 5, verse 7 uh, the fishermen, they signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. That's the word. Come and aid them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. You know, we're to aid, to help those who are struggling, fussing, those Christians who are in conflict. You know, these women faithfully labored with Paul in God's kingdom work. You know, look there at Philippians chapter 4. You know, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. We're, we're in this together with Clement, name only here, and the rest of my fellow workers you know, there, there's a, a gracious gospel solidarity there. You know, as they carried out Christ's great commission. You know, therefore go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing na- them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're, we're carrying out God's kingdom work, spreading the gospel of Christ. But a a last phrase of assurance here, whose names are in the book of life, whose names are in the book of life. For some of you, you you may be very familiar with that phrase. Others of you, you may be scratching your heads, wondering, you know, what does that mean? You know, the names of all God's chosen children are even now in inscribed in God's book. You know, it's right there with the Lord in glory now. It's not that our names will be written, you know, when we get to heaven. You know, our, our names are written now. It's God's gracious record of those redeemed, you know, by the blood of Christ. It's that same truth we heard in chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our names are written in this book of life. 
You see it throughout Revelation, but you hear Jesus using it as well. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Luke 10, verse 20. There's 72 who were sent out to spread the gospel, return, and Jesus says this. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's Luke 10, 20. Your your names now are, are written in heaven. Scripture doesn't say this, but it's not in pencil. It will not be ever erased. It's not invisible ink. You know, our names are written there in the book of life, believe with the blood of Christ. That assurance of salvation. Again, a quote from Alec Motier, thus it is against the nature of the church, the community of the redeemed, to confess unity in heaven and practice disunity on earth. You know, the last question that the elders asked those desiring to join this church, Hope Presbyterian Church, Church of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church, our form of government has seven questions. The last one is this. Do you submit yourself in the spirit of love to the government and discipline of this church and seek the peace, purity, and prosperity of this congregation so long as you are a member of it. And if you're desiring to join the church, I'll I'll give you a clue here. The right answer to that question is yes. Yes, I do submit myself to the spirit of love, to the government and discipline of this church and seek the peace, purity, and prosperity of this congregation so long as you are a member of it. Now, just as the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Philippi, addressing this conflict. Stand firm, thus in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Help those who are feuding and fussing. You know, bear witness to God's gracious gospel reconciliation. Really point them to Christ and the cross you know, we sang this morning that song, Jesus with thy church abide. Hear that third verse again. You know, we're rightly reminded to sing it as a prayer. Think, uh, repeat it in closing. May she, may the church, one in doctrine be, one in truth and charity, winning all to faith in thee. We beseech thee, hear us. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we we thank you for our real, sure, saving union with Christ. We thank you that we are united not only to Christ as the head of the body, the king and head of the church, but we are united one with another to carry out your your kingdom work here. It's a little foretaste of heaven, that union with Christ. And Lord, when 
when a conflict arises, whether big or small, personal or public, Lord, may, may each and every one of us be quick to seek your gospel reconciliation, to stand firm in the Lord, to agree with one another in Christ, to help those who are disagreeing. May we do this by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.